before we begin the show, I do have a prayer request and a prayer request update. The first is the prayer request. I am asking everyone for prayers for my wife, Haven. Uh, she doesn't know I'm asking for these prayers, but she could definitely use it. And we would definitely be appreciative to each and every one of you who could assist us with prayers for her. She is having some female issues uh, that are concerning and a little scary, um, especially for her. And we could definitely use all of the positive energy and thoughts, prayers and love that you all could send her. That would greatly and beyond be appreciated. And second is an update. Uh, we laid our dear Doris to rest last Monday, and I want to thank uh, my mother Elaine and her husband Bob from the very core of my heart and soul. And I want to thank them for allowing me to be there for them and be there for Doris and to conduct uh, the funeral and committal uh, prayers for Doris. Uh, she was absolutely beautiful. You would have never known she was as old as she was. I tell you what, she looked younger than me. Um, and it, everything went really well. Um, and Bob and Elaine are now in the process of healing. So please keep them in your prayers and your thoughts and in your heart. Um, because, you know, as we all know, when we lose someone that's near and dear to us, especially somebody that you've taken care of so closely uh, for over 10 years, uh, it's it's a huge loss. You know, they, they, are, they know that Doris is well alive and, in, and great in heaven and that she suffers no more. But still, we miss that physical, you know, anybody that's lost someone knows that. So please keep them in your thoughts, your prayers, and your heart. We would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. And also, don't forget, if you are in need of prayers or know someone who's in need of prayers, don't hesitate. Please, please, please reach out to me. I love to pray. People that listen to the show love to pray. You guys who are long-time listeners hear me say this almost every week. <laughs> I'm sure it is every week. There's information at the end of the, each show on exactly how to contact me. So again, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Let us be there for you. Let us help you. Let us pray for you. Welcome to the Faith and More podcast. I firmly believe that the divine works through people to help us every day. These angels and saints are so very humble. Many of us don't know they exist or existed. Hello, my name is Angel, and I'll be your host as we explore the lives of these amazing beings. We will also explore topics that can help your faith, no matter what it is or isn't. The goal of this show is to inspire, encourage, educate, uplift, strengthen, and heal you and your faith. Hello and welcome to the show, everyone. How are you all doing? I so hope you all are doing as well as possible and that you're blessed. Please know that each and every one of you are in my heart and in my prayers. If you're new to the show, a big welcome and thank you for finding us. And I hope you find what you are looking for and more here. And if you're returning, thank you. Infinite thanks. For returning to the show. 
Okay, so how many of you got a kick or a chuckle out of the title for this week's show, Prayer, Drive Through, or Dine In? Um, prayer can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people in like everything in faith and religion and anything like that. Everybody has their own view and their own understanding of that. And for the most part of us, or the majority of us, I should say, uh, we don't fully understand prayer or we don't fully utilize prayer. So in this show, I'm going to give you my personal take and stand on prayer and how to improve your prayer and fully utilize it and get the very most out of it. Also, you always hear me say at the end of the show, every show, <laughs> that I try my level best to be in a continuous state of prayer. And for many, that leaves them scratching their heads saying, what does he mean by that? And how does he do that or attempt to do that? Again, we'll cover all that in this show as well. So hang on to your seats. So first of all, how do you like your prayer? drive through or dine in. So drive through would mean that you're going for the quick. You're going, you don't have time. You, you need this or want to ask for that and it's bam, boom, bing, and you're done. And dine in is where you want to spend a little more quality time and slowly take your time and pray and be thorough or as thorough as possible and achieve some type of communion or connection uh, with the divine. So some might respond, well, I, I dine in. I, I take my rosary and I go to church and I sit and I pray. But to that, I have to ask you, how fast are you reciting your prayers? <laughs> I think a lot of people that I see at least or have witnessed in church um, it's like the Indianapolis 500 uh, car race where they're going as fast as they can. And if it's even more funny, well, I guess it shouldn't be funny, but it's even more amusing if you put in your head when you're watching them click through their beads and say their prayers so fast and furiously uh, that you put a little car sound to it going as they go. I know, I know, I I, I shouldn't laugh or, or make light of it because that's that's not a good way of prayer. Uh, I, and I know we all are in such a hurry and life moves so fast. Uh, life moves at the speed of the Internet, whatever your connection speed may be. And, um, you know, so we don't have, quote, time or we feel we don't have the time to dedicate to prayer. But again, as we go in this show, I'm going to show you or give you tips on how to make prayer a part of your life to where you are living prayer, walking prayer, breathing prayer. You are prayer. So again, people might reply, well, how? You know, because I kneel when I pray. If you're Orthodox, you stand when you pray, uh, especially when you're doing prayer recitations. Um, some people pray when they're in bed. Some people pray when they're sitting in their lazy boy chair at home or on their couch or sofa. Um, 
again, I want to expand on prayer and, and, and take prayer out of the box because regardless of your background in religion or the religion that you follow or practice or the faith that you follow and practice, you were taught or you learned certain ways of praying. And I can almost guarantee you that um, it wasn't complete. I know it wasn't for me because I was raised Roman Catholic, as you all know. And I attended what they call CCD Sunday school, which is if you don't attend the Catholic school uh, as a student, you are required as a Roman Catholic child to attend these CCD Sunday school classes. And I guarantee that they did not teach prayer. The nuns and sisters did not teach prayer the way prayer should really be. I think it's, it's nothing against them. It's nothing derogatory. They were just teaching what they were taught. So they, in turn, did not know or did not share what they knew about how to deepen your prayer and get the very most out of it. So the analogy I'm going to use or example I'm going to use is something I hope you all can relate to. We all have smartphones by now. Most of us, if not all of us, have smartphones or know about these smartphones. And you know that when you get a new smartphone, especially if you went from a flip phone to a smartphone, there is a huge difference. So at first you're grabbing your smartphone and you're just like, the only thing I want to know is how to make a phone call. <laughs> Not bringing up any stereotypes, just trying to make this a little fun. So you just want to focus on making a phone call. I don't care about any of them other doodads, referring to apps, that is. So you just want to focus on making a phone call. So you learn how to make a phone call, all right? Then the phone rings. How in the hell do I answer this phone? See, so now you don't know how to answer the phone. So you've learned how to make the call, but you didn't learn how to answer the call. So you hang up on people multiple times or you miss multiple calls until you learn how to answer the phone. Well, as you all know, that is not even scratching the surface of all that your smartphone can do. The same exact thing goes for prayer. The vast majority of us, which you're going to find out here soon, only know how to use prayer to make a call. We don't even know how to answer a call or receive a call. Because you see, there's two ways or two major ways of prayer. The first is a transactional prayer, which is one way. It's like you're driving up to the drive-thru to place an order and the, you can talk to the person and place your order, but you can't hear what they're saying, which you don't care anyway because you just want to say what you got to say, get your food, and get going. You're busy. You don't have time for this. You were supposed to be someplace two days ago. And, and that's how most of us do prayer or say prayers is we're just like, hey, God, hey, divine, hey, um, Hecate, hey, you know, great whatever, blah, and that's it. And then you, you, you fall asleep or you get up, make the sign of the cross and go on your way and that's that. Or you light a prayer candle and so on and so forth. Or put a little money in the hat just to kind of seal the deal. And that's that. The second type of prayer, 
which is one we're really going to explore and expand on so you guys can, I pray, can understand and incorporate in your lives, is called contemplative prayer, or I like to call it communion. It's staying with, walking with, being with the divine all the time, 24-7. It's like, okay, we're going back to when we were kids. Those of you who uh, had the love of your life would get on the telephone and it'd be late at night and you'd call your girlfriend, you'd call your boyfriend and you'd be chatting and giggling and having a good time and I love you and I love you and you hang up first. No, you hang up first. To which you would probably, a lot of you, would just put the phone down and say, I'm going to sleep. I'm going to sleep with you. You sleep with me. And just stay on the line. That's what I'm referring to as that communion, that connection with the divine. Whatever you want to call it, whatever you believe in, this goes all through all faiths, all religions. It's not per one. It's for one for all. And some might say, well, what if my my cell phone goes dead? What if the battery goes dead? Well, I'm talking about old timers like me that when we were younger, we didn't have cell phones. If you can believe that existed, a life without cell phones. We didn't have cell phones or smartphones. We had landline phones and those never went dead. You know, yeah, I'm even going back before the cordless phones. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that, I'm that old. <laughs> So you don't have to worry about your prayer battery running dead and your communion or communication uh, or your call being disconnected from the divine. You have to remember, as I've pointed out so many times in, again, referring back to episode one of this season where Penny Whitbrock pointed out uh, from her near-death experience where God showed her, or the divine, showed her in its DNA or in her DNA where it is. So the divine is in all of us. So you don't ever have to worry about being disconnected from the divine. That's something our minds tell us that there's a disconnect or want us to believe there's a disconnect, but there's never a disconnect. We are always connected. We can't help but be connected. We are created by the divine. We are of the divine and the divine is of us. So there, it's it's an eternal loop that can never be broken. It can never be paused. So first things first, let's change gears a little bit. We're still on the same subject, but we're going to kind of kick it up a notch or move a little bit to a like, say you're changing gears on your bike to go up a hill. That's what we're going to do. We're getting ready to go up a hill. So so hang on. And stay with me. (laughs) Where is your spirit or soul located? Have you ever asked that question or asked a member of your clergy that question or asked someone in the scientific field that question? I mean, that's something that plagues a lot of people and concerns a lot of people as far as where is that soul? Where is that spirit? There's a saying that been around for a long time as a matter of fact between 58 and 68 AD is the saying the eyes are the window to the soul and that was kind of derived from Matthew 6:22 in the Bible now for those of you who aren't Christian hang on here I've got a point to get 
I'm going to read this from Matthew, and I want to point this out here because people like to take just like sentences out of the Bible and spin it into something else. And you'll see that. So here's what actually Matthew 6, 22 says. This is Jesus. This is the actual Matthew 6 is where Jesus gives us the Our, Our Father prayer, which is actually the only prayer Jesus ever gave us from him to us to pray. And and that's not to say that any other prayers is, is no good. It's, it was just his prayer saying, you know, hey, try this. This this one works. So Matthew six twenty two says the eye is the lamp of the body. You draw the light into your body through your eyes and the light shines out to the world through your eyes. So if your eye is well and shows you what is true, then your whole body will be filled with light. Well, I have diabetic retinopathy. Don't follow me. <laughs> Don't rely on my eyes. But if your eye is clouded or evil, then your body will be filled with evil and dark clouds and the darkness that takes over the body of a child of God who has gone astray. That is the deepest, darkest darkness there is. So to explain that a little bit more, it says, when Jesus speaks of eye and light, as in your physical eyes and light, he means all people should keep their eyes on God because the eyes are the window to the soul. Thus, there's where that saying came from. Eyes should not focus on trash, you know, focusing on things that are negative. And you know, that's something we're going to work on in future shows, too, is kind of getting out of this uh, positive negative. Yes, there are negatives, but yes, we want to focus more on, you know, being non-dualistic. And we'll, we'll cover that in future shows. So, again, that's a popular saying or a popular belief in most people that where is my soul? Oh, it's it's behind my eyes. Well, where exactly behind your eyes is it? OK, so if it's behind your eyes, it must be in your brain, right? So where in the brain? Some people say it's the pineal gland. Some people say it's the lateral ventricle. Yes, we have ventricles in our brain. I wasn't aware of that until recently. <laughs> Lateral ventricle, is it the third ventricle or the fourth ventricle in the brain? So many people from so many walks of life have so many different views as far as, far as where the soul, where the spirit, where your essence, your energy is. Aristotle, who was a Greek philosopher and polymath, which I come to find out that polymath means he knew a lot about a lot of things. Um, imagined that the soul is in part with the human body and in part as a corporal imagination. So Aristotle, who was a disciple or student of Plato, came up with this by saying that the body, the soul is in the body somewhere, but it's also outside of the body. So in Aristotle's treatise on youth, old age, life, death, and respiration, say that nine times fast, Aristotle explicitly states that while the soul has corporal form, there is a physical area of the soul in the human body. Can you guess where he said it was? The heart. And that makes an incredible amount of sense. Because if you think about your heart, which in the past two years, I've had to really think about my heart since my heart surgeries. And you come to find that the heart is the center 
of you. It is the seat of your existence. If your heart's not working, nothing else works. If there's something wrong with your heart, there's something wrong with everything else in your body. And you also have to remember as well, or realize, which I found out, everything affects the heart as well. So it's reciprocated. It's that eternal loop, you see, that your heart affects everything in your body and your body affects, everything in your body affects your heart. So in Eastern faiths and philosophies, that is something that they really believe that your soul, your spirit, your essence, whatever you want to call that, which you label as you, your identity, um, resides in your heart. Now, what do I personally feel? I personally feel that your soul, spirit, essence, again, whatever you want to label it, rests in your heart but it's not confined to your heart. That your essence, energy, spirit can move and go anywhere in your body or anywhere outside your body. You hear people all the time talk about near-death experiences. Again, going back to episode one of this year, if you haven't heard it with Penny Whitbrot interview about her near-death experience, check it out because that is a perfect example of the spirit essence soul leaving the body um and it's very very interesting and very very intriguing um and it's proof at least to my you know rudimentary mind and spirit that you know we are not you know that essence that soul that we that i if you want to believe in an i um is is not confined it rests i believe it again rests in your heart, but can go out from your heart. And there's a lot of Eastern um, techniques and methods to to work on that. And I taught that uh, quite a bit when I taught Buddhism and Eastern philosophy. There were two, namely two, uh, very ancient Tibetan Buddhist techniques that I taught and shared with the students uh, that I had and the first one was called Tong Lin. Uh, Tong is it's a Tibetan word and Tong means um, giving or sending and Lin means receiving or taking. And what we did was I would teach this Tong Lin practice. It's T-O-N-G-L-E-N. I would teach this Tong Lin practice in um, would sit down with the students and we would in a group uh, per you know, do this practice uh, together. And then I would, you know, recommend that they go off on their own and work on it and develop it. And then we actually created what I, what I called the Tonglin first response team. Now, let me explain that to you. So Tonglin, again, of course, is giving or sending or receiving and taking. What you're doing uh, with Tonglin is you're focusing on your heart, okay? So you are... It's mainly done for people who you are praying for, people who are in need of help, people who are sick, uh, maybe someone who's passing. Uh, there's another form of practice for that, which I'll get into here in a second. Um, but it's mainly done for people who are sick or people who are in need of help. So what you do is you meditate. I'll give you the very, very abbreviated version. So what you do is you you know sit in meditation 
uh, you focus on your heart, you tap into the divine, you connect your heart, your soul, uh, your essence with the divine, and you pull energy from the divine into you, okay? And then you channel that. You, you know, there's breathing techniques that go with this, you know, breathing in on the right side and exhaling on the left side of your nostril. It's, it's a whole practice. Um, and then what you do is you take that energy inside you, that divine energy, you combine it with your energy and then you release it to the person that you're praying for, that it's healing them, that it's rejuvenating them. You visualize, there's, you know, Tibetan Buddhism and Buddhism in general is a lot of visualization. Um, so you're visualizing that you're healing this person, that you're helping this person. If you have a picture of this person, it greatly helps. If you can be there, right there with them at their bedside or wherever they're at, uh, that's even better. Um, you also can, um, what you have to be careful with if you're an empath, is if you, is you can take, again, take with your heart, connect with the person that you're praying for, and take away that which is causing them harm, that illness, that suffering, that grief, whatever is plaguing them and hurting them, you take it into your heart and you channel it and then you project it out to the divine. You send it to the divine. You can't hurt the divine. The divine is everything. The divine heals. And <laughs> again, you can't do anything to harm that which is all. So and then that's another way, you know, it's, you know, actually two methods. You're taking away the pain and suffering of the person, the illness of the person, and you are, you know, channeling that energy, projecting that healing energy into that person and healing them. And it, it does work. I mean, I mean, a lot of people we were able to help and students greatly enjoyed uh, doing this practice. It's very beneficial and again, no ego or pride in it at all, because if you involve ego or pride, it doesn't work. It's got to be selfless in order for you to make that connection, in order for you to you know, make contact with that other person's core, their center, um, their soul, their essence. It has to be selfless. OK, so the next practice that I taught and that, you know, some of the students, the higher level students, because it takes a very high level to 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 perform this practice, um, which it didn't go over too well. I mean, they <laughs> they would contact me to do it for their loved ones, but they didn't really get into it. And I'll explain how it is. But first, I have to give a warning. This, what I'm about to say, the following could be considered fantastical. <laughs> yeah. Again, you may believe this and you may not believe it. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, it's... To the honest to divine truth uh, coming from the core of my being, and I'll share it with you. Uh, so, of course, again, we had the Tonglin first response team. Uh, so that was when so when somebody was sick, you know, we had a group of people that practice this all the time as students. You know, we they, somebody would call me and then I would get a hold of everybody in that group and we would all do Tonglin practice for whoever was sick or needed help. OK, so the next group that I attempted to create that didn't go over, and uh, you'll understand why here in a minute, was called the POA Rescue Team. And it's a Tibetan word, POA, P-H-O-W-A, and it's 
um, translated as transference of consciousness. So this practice is done when somebody is in the process of passing or they have just passed. Now, Tibetan Buddhists believe that when someone passes away, they go into what is called the bardo of becoming. It's more like the between. You could translate it as the between. And while you're in that state, of course, remember that the Buddhists believe in reincarnation. So as you're in that bardo state, um, your consciousness, or as they call mind, uh, or your soul or your spirit is wandering. And you can become lost. And you usually stay within this state. You can stay up in this state up to 49 days. And I'll explain what happens if nothing happens up to the 49th day. So what happens during that 49 days is you have opportunities that are presented to you. Each day there is something different. And there's a text, a book on this called the Bardo Todo. It's B-A-R-D-O. Second word is Todol, T-H-O-D-O-L, also known as the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Uh, there's a lot of great copies out there uh, about it. I believe it was Evan Wentz that wrote the very first copy of it, translated it from Tibetan in 1927 uh, when he visited Tibet. So um, and it, the, the Tibetan Book of the Dead uh, tells you exactly what the experience is per day. So what you do as your POA practice is you meditate each day and you take your soul, your spirit, your essence, and you reach out to the person who has passed to their soul, their consciousness, their mind, their um, energy, uh, their spirit, whatever you want to label it. And you gently guide them to where they need to go now in tibetan buddhist beliefs they believe that the human life is the highest form they believe that um and again fantastical some of you may not agree with this but again just sharing to give you to educate you know to share um they believe that as a human you have the most opportunities that in the human life you can you live through the hell realms and you live through the heavens, you know, in happiness, you're in heaven and suffering, you're in hell. And that, you know, even though when you pass away and you go to heaven, they don't believe that that is a permanent state. Of course, you got to remember about reincarnation. So they believe that that's only temporary, even though in heaven, one day in heaven is equal to 1000 of our years on earth. Yeah, there's there's actually text on this where I mean, I'm telling you, Tibetan Buddhists are incredible uh, scientists. They really, really are. Uh, so even though those days in heaven go for thousands of years in our lifetime in human life, it you know, it's still, as you know, with your own life, it goes quick. You can think back yesterday to a, a moment in your childhood like it was yesterday or when a, your child was born, you can remember it like it was yesterday. I know I can with my son. So, so again, you're reaching out to this person's consciousness because you want to help guide them. Um, one of my senior students, a member of his family, a very close member of his family, actually it was the partner of his mother, uh, committed suicide. And he contacted me right away. 
um, and asked if I could do POA practice uh, for him. And of course, you know, I immediately jumped on that. Now you have to remember if you're doing this practice, you're making a 49 day commitment because it could take 49 days to assist this person um, if you're able to reach them. And oftentimes it's, it's very difficult because you run into a lot of stuff when you're in the Bardo. And so, yeah, that's what you're doing is you're actually taking your essence, your spirit, your soul, and you're leaving your body and you're entering the between the Bardo and you're locating uh, the essence, the spirit, the energy, again, whatever you want to call it of this person. And you're gently explaining to them what's going on and helping them. Now, it's very important, especially when someone commits suicide uh, or dies very quickly and unexpectedly, say like in a car accident or they're murdered or something like that. Because the mental state uh, the, of your, you know, I shouldn't say mental state, but the state of your consciousness, your mind, your spirit, essence, again, whatever, your soul, uh, is very disturbed because it's, it's, you're actually in shock because you don't know what happened. And as a matter of fact, everyone, according to Tibetan Buddhist beliefs, again, when you pass away, you're actually, you fall into a deep sleep for the first 24 hours. So you're completely unconscious. Everything is black. There's nothing. You're not uh, aware of anything. You're not awake to anything. And your uh, soul, your spirit uh, essence does not wake up until after 24 hours and you wake up in the Bardo, which if you're in the between state, as Penny explained in, again, episode one of this season, um, that can be very disturbing. Uh, Penny was very confused. Uh, it was very dark. She didn't know what was going on. She uh, she was there as she felt for days. And she said days felt like eternity there. So here again, we have this change of a day in the between or in the afterlife is a lot different than a day here in this human form. Again, I know this sounds fantastical, but, you know, I, you know, tell you with honest the divine truth you know this is the experiences i've had you know and it again believe it or not at least i'm just sharing educational purposes and you know so again you're taking your consciousness your spirits you are tethered to your body by a lifeline and you go into the bardo in the between and you are reaching and finding this person um in their essence. Once you reach them, again, you're explaining to them gently what happened to them. You know, and if it's somebody that committed suicide, they might not recall what they did or didn't do. You know, um, it might be something they've completely blacked out or wanted to completely black out. So you gently explain to them what had happened, where they are, and what they need to do. And you direct them, you guide them to where they need to go. Now, uh, the gentleman who committed suicide. Now, I know Christians are going to disagree with me and argue, but I'm telling you, this this is what happened. Uh, the person that I was doing the pub practice for, I believe, if I remember correctly, it took 12 days uh, of working with him to get him to uh, transfer to heaven. He wanted to go to heaven because that's what he was known, uh, knew of in uh, his lifetime, you know, when he was in the physical body. 
So, um, you know, I tried to convince him to do otherwise, but he did not want to do that. But he he did, you know, he did repent Christians who are listening. He did repent and ask the divine for forgiveness for what he had done. And as we all know, um, when you repent and you ask for forgiveness, you and if you're sincere and it comes from the very core of your essence, you will be forgiven. And that's exactly what happened. He was forgiven and he went to heaven. And that was an amazing experience to to feel, to to witness. Um, so, again, you know, what happens if the person doesn't go within 49 days? Well, they're automatically pulled according to their karma, as uh, the Buddhists believe. And karma is everything good and bad that you've done in a lifetime or lifetimes. So you could you're suffering now, Buddhists believe. I'm sorry, I got off on a tangent of Buddhism here, but I hope you guys are finding this interesting. I'll get back. This is all connected to prayer. Believe me. <laughs> so because Buddhists believe in reincarnation, they believe that we've gone around the cycle or circle of life, uh, which they call the wheel of life. We've gone around and around and around. We've been born, died, born, died infinite times, really infinite times. And what they say, what you are experiencing now in this lifetime is positive uh, is in happiness is positive things that you did in a previous lifetime or lifetimes that's coming to fruition now. And if what you're going through negatively now and suffering through now is because of negative things that you did in a previous lifetime or lifetime. So that answers the age old question that everybody always has is why to do bad things happen to good people and why do good things happen to bad people? From a Buddhist perspective, it's because these are uh, karmic seeds which are ripening in this lifetime that were created in previous lifetimes. So, you know, believe it or not, it's just an educational disclaimer here for you. <laughs> Those who are Buddhists can understand more deeply about that. So, again, if you're in the bardo and you're wandering around and, you know, you don't know which way to go or what's up and down, uh, every day you're confronted. You're confronted by um, demons. You're confronted by angelic beings um, who are trying desperately to pull you one way or the other way. And you either go with them or you run away. Most of the time they scare the living blazes out of you and you run away. You know, your spirit flies away from them instead of going towards them. Um, so at the end of the 49 days, if you have not chose to go with one of them, one of those spirits or, or demons that are pulling you or trying to guide you, then you automatically are reborn according to the karma that you have the strongest uh, pulling of. So say you committed suicide. That's pretty, pretty dang strong negative uh, karma. So, you know, there's a great chance that it could pull you towards a hell realm, which, you know, they have seven hell realms in Buddhist belief um, that it could pull you into a hell realm where you would, you know, stay in that hell realm until you exhaust the karma or energy that took you to that. And that's what it's all based on. Buddhists base everything on that karma is energy. You know, there was uh, energy that brought you into this life and energy that sustains this life. And that's why they believe that, you know, when children die at an early age, the reason for that is, is because 
that child's karma for this lifetime was very weak. It only had enough to get them so far. But it was great that they were a human because they got to experience, they got to learn, and hopefully it was enough to jump them to a higher level or to get another human rebirth that can last much longer and be much better and less suffering for them. So there you go, a little Buddhism 101. <laughs> I know, I should have probably done a separate show on that, but I don't know that would have flew over well or not. I don't know if you guys would have liked that or not. Anyway, if you guys want to hear more about the fantastical world of Tibetan Buddhism and practices, uh, you know, let me know. I, I have no problem talking about it, even though, you know, it's 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 still very much a part of my life. I, I don't do poa practice anymore as far as, you know, the Tibetan Buddhist ways. You know, I still keep use, you know, particulars of the practice to keep that connection with the divine, which is what we're going to get into here in a moment with the prayer. So again, going back to what I was saying as far as the location of your soul, the location of your essence, um, what again, whatever you want to call it, um, is not limited to the body. I firmly believe it's not limited to the body. And, and this is how I, this is, these are questions you can ask yourself to see if you feel the same way or to analyze where your soul or spirit is. Okay, first question, where were you before you were born? See, that's that's a, a very intriguing question that you could meditate on for lifetimes, <laughs> literally. Where were you before you were born? As the uh, the Buddhists say, what was your face before you were born? So where were you? Did you were you, you know, Christians will probably say that they were created uh, by the divine in the womb. And, you know, that's your belief that. That's a, definitely a possibility. Um, next question. Where are you when you sleep and dream? Where is that spirit? Where is your soul? Your divine light, whatever you want to call it. Where is it when you sleep in your dreaming? Is it in your body? Now, that is another interesting question that you could ponder for a long, long time. Um, but think about it. When you dream, you're not in your body. You are all over the place. And there's infinite books by infinite authors of infinite faiths and infinite religions. And some even made up new religions and faiths from it on the beliefs of what happens in your dream state, as they call it. Uh, but again, I firmly believe that your mind and your, or excuse me, your whatever you want to call it, your spirit and your soul is not in your body when you're sleeping and dreaming. Um, it's, it, it's flittering about. It's going here. It's going there. It's going into other dimensions, other uh, types of reality. Next question is, where do you go when you leave this life? And we kind of covered that pretty good here with the Buddhist perspective. You know, Christians are going to say that they hope and pray they go to heaven. Um, again, so that goes to show that even though my belief is that, you know, your your spirit and your soul rests in your heart, it's not um, chained to your heart. It's not confined to your heart. It can come and go freely. And how do I know this? Again, experience from the poet practice. I know for a fact that my spirits, my soul, 
even though it was still tethered by a line of light, was no, no longer in my body when I did POA practice. And I will tell you that when I was on the operating table uh, for um, my heart surgeries, um, I had a quadruple bypass and a mitral valve implant on June 30th of 2020. So we're coming up on almost the two-year anniversary of that. So the last thing I remember on the operating table was a doctor explaining to me what the, some of the procedures were that they were going to do. There were a lot, uh, including inserting a device through my groin up to my heart to put a balloon pump uh, in my heart to help it beat after um, the surgery. And as he was explaining to me these things, there was another uh, person, an anesthesiologist to my right, and I had uh, what they call a peacock uh, thing, uh, IV in my jugular vein on the right side of my neck that has multi-ports on it so they can hook all kinds of things up that go right into your jugular, go straight to your heart. And he injected some anesthetic in there and I was out. Everything was black. I was completely unconscious. I was not awake, aware, nothing. I did not wake up or start waking up or regaining consciousness until uh, I want to say that the surgery took eight hours. Um, I wasn't probably conscious for or coming around from consciousness into consciousness until about 12 to 13 hours later. And as I was waking up, I was choking uh, on a breathing tube. So <laughs> that, that's always something nice to wake up to. So at first, that really alarmed me because you hear so many people say, oh, I had this out-of-body experience when I was going through this surgery and that surgery and, and this and that. And I looked it up and researched it later because it, it was bothering me uh, as to why I was just completely blank, as in non-existent for that time period. And it said, you know, from the research I saw that it's quite common with certain uh, anesthetics or medicines that really strong medicines that they use uh, that you do not have. You don't dream. You don't you know, have any kind of experience. And again, if you look at the Tibetan Buddhist uh, perspective, what does it say about the first day uh, after passing? When you pass away, you fall asleep for 24 hours. So I was in at least 12 hours of that 24 hours. Um, I started off in the surgery with only a 40% chance of recovery or surviving of the surgery. And that dropped during surgery to 25% uh, to the point to where they had to call my wife, stop the surgery and get uh, approval from her to continue. Uh, so yeah, it was that bad. You know, that's a call you never want to get for anyone, especially, uh, you know, a dear loved one. But, hey, smiles on your faces. Happy dance. I'm here. <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. But, again, just goes to show, um, you know, the, the, the spirit, the consciousness, the soul is not confined to the body. So what do we do with all of this? What's the next step to this prayer? You know, we got to get back to that. That's what we're talking about, right? Is to get out of your head and into your heart. When you're thinking 
um, when you're praying, not where, where again, where do you identify yourself? If you stop and think right now, where am I? You're thinking that you're in your head because that's how we're raised is to be in our heads. You know, you're thinking that your consciousness, your spirit is, you know, just a few inches behind your eyes. And that's not the case. You need to move that thought, move that feeling, move that I, me, mine, I, uh, move your spirit down to your heart and do your praying from your heart. And I'm telling you, it is, it drastically changes the whole experience of prayer. And this is what the mystics do. The Christian mystics or mystics of any faith, when they pray, or well, pretty much when they ex as they exist, they live from their heart. They don't live from their head, from their brain, from their mind. They live from the heart. Um, and a mystic is, an, here's an a, a Encyclopedia Britannica <laughs> definition of mysticism. Mysticism is the sense of some form of contact with the divine or transcendent often understood in Christian tradition as involving union with God. Mysticism played an important role in the history of Christian religion and emerged as a living influence in modern times. And it's not just Christian. Uh, Hindus, Eastern philosophy, Eastern uh, religions, uh, Orthodox, it's all religions have some form of mysticism or mystics uh, in their face. So who do we know from previous shows that were mystics that we can relate to or we know some about? Those of you who have been listening to the show will know these people. Those of you who are just now tuning in, scratching your head, saying, what am I listening to? <laughs> who is this guy? You can go back and check out these people. Number one, and then I, I, may, I may have missed some, so don't, don't fault me for it. Blessed Father Solanus Casey, definitely a mystic. St. Bridget, mystic. Thomas Merton, mystic. St. Therese, mystic. St. Faustina, mystic. Sri Ananda Maima, mystic. Melissa Henning Camp, I consider her to be a mystic too. These are just to name a few of the many angels and saints that we've talked about on our show. And it shows that they had all of them had this direct connection with the divine. Now, how did they attain that? How did they do that? How did they achieve that from the heart? You've got to move from being in your head to being in your heart. And you can do that. Our dear friend of the show and my brother from another mother, Father Mike Cantor, um, turned me on and introduced me to an amazing guy by the name of Father Richard Rohr. Uh, Father Richard Rohr is a Franciscan friar, um, but he transcends that to an extreme. He is so Eastern in his ways and thinking it's it's mind blowing. Um, he gave this quote about mystics, about mystics. He says, for mystics, the we is more real to them than their I. So here we go again with that selflessness. So that's a big key for dropping your thought and your focus from your mind from your brain to your heart become selfless think of others more than you think of yourself think of when you're praying that you're praying to and with the divine uh, for others 
more than you are for yourself. You know, just as we recently discovered in the miracle of the story from the uh, Blessed Father Solanus Casey, uh, the one miracle that the Vatican identified of the thousands of miracles that came from Father Casey or uh, that uh, Father uh, Casey um, facilitated uh, was a woman who had a similar skin condition. She was at his tomb and she was praying for other people. She was from South America. She was praying for other people. And as she got up and started to leave, she heard a voice say, what about you? Pray for yourself. She turned around, knelt back down at Father Solanus Casey's tomb, prayed to him, and was instantly healed. So, you know, here we go again with, with that whole, you know, others over I, you know, that connection. So there's ways, there's many, many, many ways and methods for us to move our our focus from from our head to our heart. Um, Father Richard Rohr uh, was, I recently listened to one of his podcasts and he was talking about uh, Ken Wilber, who is a very well-known philosopher. He used to be a Zen Buddhist teacher. Um, and he's got what they call, he calls the four ups. And the first one is to grow up. And that's by moving through the early stages of emotional maturing and, and spiritual uh, maturing. So, you know, you're learning, you're learning your faith, you're learning, um, listening to this show, listening to other shows, reading books, studying the Bible, um, you're learning and growing in your faith, uh, picking up new techniques on, on how to, to pray, to meditate. Uh, next is cleanup. And cleanup is uh, organizing your life, getting your ducks in a row, you know, stopping doing negative things and doing more positive things. Stop focusing more you know, stop focusing on the I and start focusing on others more. Um, and for a lot of faiths in, you know, you know, Father Richard Rohr points this out very well. And I completely agree that in a lot of faiths, that's where it stops because they hit you constantly with sin, sin, sin. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. You can never overcome your sin. You're always going to be a sinner. And that stalls you at that sin and at that uh, cleanup level that you constantly believe that I am not worthy. I can't go further. I can't progress in my spirituality. I can't progress in my my prayer life because I'm a negative person. I'm, I'm evil. I'm a sinner. And folks, that is not what Jesus, the divine, wants for you in this lifetime. This is an amazing opportunity as the Buddhists say this is a precious human life you never know when your next moment or this now is your last in this life and you completely waste it if you're focused on negativity if you're focused on being down on yourself if you're allowing others to put you down and put you under their boot or under their feet and and um, you know be condescending to you and insult you and bully you into believing that you're something other than what you are. What is that? You are the divine. You are a source of the divine. You are from the divine. Okay, we all do negative things. We all do sin from time to time, but we are inherently divine. We have to keep that in mind. We have to focus on that. Now, I'm not saying 
by an ego way, you definitely can't put the ego and pride into that. It's got to be a selfless identification with the divine because not just you, but everybody and everything is the divine as well. So the next of the four stages is to wake up and that's to discover that divine in you and that divine connection and to realize that it's not a switch that flips off and on. It's not a phone call that you can terminate. You are constantly connected with the divine and the divine is connected with you. You can envision this any way you want to, whether you envision in your DNA, in your heart, um, anywhere. And coming to that realization that everything, again, everything is the divine and the divine is everything. Once you're able to achieve that, it really is a game changer for you personally, for you spiritually, for your prayer, your faith. I'm telling you, it will, those of you who are already at that point know how much your life has changed in so many amazing, miraculous, and positive ways since you've began to see from the we instead of the I. And of course, you know, we're all going to go back to the I, to the me, to the mine. That's human nature. You know, that's just how things are. And you never beat yourself up over it, ever, ever, never, ever. You just are mindful of when that happens and gently pull yourself back to your heart. You know, when you're when your attention goes from your heart to your mind and you start going off on goofy human things or, you know, goofy, uh, you know, social things instead of faith and divine things, then you gently, gently, gently take that attention and bring it back to your heart. And the last of the four ups is what he calls to show up. And that means serving humanity in the world. And that's helping others. That's being there for others. Um, you know, anything from praying for others, for visiting those who need people, um, for listening to the show and sharing it with others that can help. That's it's your way of, you know, sharing this blessing of this show with others, helping them through this show. There's infinite ways you can help others. Again, focusing on the we and not the I. That's a very key thing. So again, you know, to wrap things up, it's important that we uh, stop with the just the transactional prayer, the drive-through prayer, the one-way phone call prayer. You have to realize and come to the realization and know that the divine is with you all the time. You, there's never a time when you are separated from that which is and that which is you. you the divine is you and you are the divine. Whether you want to envision Jesus walking with you or if you're a follower of Hecate, if you want to envision Hecate uh, constantly over your shoulder or behind you, protecting you and guiding you and having your back, uh, whether you believe in the angels and, and saints, you know, that they, you know, are with you and guiding you and protecting you, you know, any way you want to, um, you know, do it, it's it. It's you're heading in the right direction. As the old commercial Reese's commercial says, there's no wrong way to eat a Reese's. <laughs> and that's same applies here. As long as you're focusing on that divine, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to label that which cannot be labeled or put into a box, it is always with you and you are always with it. You're never separated from it.
So this takes practice. This takes patience. Again, don't ever beat yourself up over it. Gently pull your attention back to your heart and continue on. The more you do this now, the more it becomes reflex. It becomes natural. You can do it without effort. Or as the Buddhists like to say, and Eastern faiths like to say, with effortless effort, a.k.a. you. This is you. You are the divine, and divine is you. Not me or I, it's we, because it's everyone. Again, no ego or pride here. And just be with the divine. Next time you go to pray, just be with the divine. Just being with divine, being in communion with the divine or communion with whatever divine you believe in, whatever saint or angel you believe in or, or follow or, or, you know, contact for help. Just be with them. You can do it when you're out for a run. You can do it when you're sitting in your chair. You can do it when you're driving. Of course, if you're driving, keep focused on what you're doing. But allow your inner core, your spirit, your um, essence, your soul to commune. And that's the thing is the prayer becomes a communion to where you commune with that which is. And again, can't say it enough. If, if your attention goes back to your head and you find yourself yelling and cursing at somebody in traffic, gently, gently bring your attention back to your heart and to that divine again. Just rest there. There's a great Tibetan master who was named Nyosho Kempo Jamyang Dorje, also known as Nyosho Ken Rinpoche, and there was a great prayer uh, with the Guru Rinpoche uh, uh, prayer in the background, who was Padmasambhava. I've mentioned him previously on the show, and we'll have a show on him sometime down in the future, uh, with music. And Sogyal Rinpoche, the great Sogyal Rinpoche, reciting this prayer um, by uh, Nyashokin Rinpoche. And I'm going to share that here in just a moment as our closing prayer. Um, but you know, this is something to keep in mind uh, as you're doing this focus, you know, just, just take time. Just be patient. Be gentle with yourself. You'll be surprised at how quick you really catch on. Um, a lot of people are really eager and, and uh, thirsty and hungry, very hungry, not hangry, <laughs> hungry and angry. They're hungry for this spiritual connection. It's something we all really really need that can again like i said it's a game changer for your life and your spiritual life and in your faith in your prayer practice and in everything prayer becomes life and life is prayer and and all that is is communion with the divine and it's just it's mind-blowing and amazing so of course just like everything i will have a link in the show notes to this amazing prayer and i Highly recommend you listen to it. It is so beautiful and, and so amazing. I used to have it set as my alarm clock back in the day when we had CD players. And I would set my CD player alarm clock to where when I woke up, I was woke up to this prayer being sang. And, and, and it was just, it's a great way to start your day. It's a great way to end your day. It's a great thing to have any time of day. So the prayer is called Natural Great Peace. And there is a word in here that you may not know of. It's called samsara. And that is a Sanskrit word meaning the cycle of life. Death, 
rebirth, suffering. Just You can just say it's life, okay, for anyone who is not of Eastern faiths and philosophies. So Natural Great Peace by Nyosho Kenpo Jamyang Dorje or Nyosho Ken Rinpoche goes like this. Rest in natural great peace. This exhausted mind beaten helpless by karma and neurotic thought. Like the relentless fury of pounding waves in an infinite ocean of samsara. Rest in natural great peace. So that's what you do when you find your life is, you know, in you know, tumultuous and you're being thrown here and there and you feel like you're being a little boat tossed on these crazy 50, 60 foot waves on the ocean and it's just pounding the tar out of you is bring your focus to your heart, to the divine. Remember that the divine is always with you and you are always with it. Bring your attention to that place, to that divine, and you will start to feel the calm. The divine will help you. The divine will shelter you. The divine will protect you. The divine will heal you. It will uplift you. It will not let you down. So always remember that, that any time, you know, no matter if it's good or bad going on in your life, try your level best to work on this, especially with your prayer. Bring your attention to your heart and connect with the divine. Realize there's really no connecting because you're never disconnected. So to connect would mean you would have to be not connected. So just to realize, to become aware of that connection, that the two are one and the one are two. If any of you are still scratching your head saying what in the world was this guy talking about and you need further help or explanation or you've got questions reach out to me i am here for all of you you all are in my heart and in my prayers remember we're all in this together all for one and one for all because we're all part of the one and the one is part of us all so again, don't hesitate to reach out to me if you have any questions, you are interested in more information, or if you have any ideas for further shows, I'll give you the information here in just a second on how to contact me. So I will pause here for now. I so hope and pray that you all enjoyed the show and that this show is everything that you've been looking for and even more and that it continues to be that and even more for as long as possible. I am always greatly open to suggestions, recommendations for people to showcase on the show. As I've said infinite times, um, you we have people from all over the world now listening to the show and I know that each and every one of you have such amazing beings past and present in your culture that we have no idea about but we should know about so please 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 take a moment to contact me reach out to me share these people and their stories with me or at least where I can find the information uh, to locate information on these people so we can have it on the shows also 
I love to pray. I am always doing my level best to be in a continuous state of prayer. And people that listen to the show love to pray as well. And we would all love to pray for you. If you would like for us to pray for you, please, there is on the website, which I'm going to give you the information here in a minute, information, there's a form at the bottom of the website that you can fill out to submit your prayer request. It asks for your first and last name. You don't have to give any of that. It does ask, the only thing you have to fill out is your email address, and that way I can write you back just to let you know I received your prayer request and that we'll be doing it. Um, There's a an area there where you can write out what your prayer request is. If it's for you, it's for a loved one, for a friend. If anyone that prays knows that the more information you have about the persons you're praying for, the better. So feel free to share as much information as you're comfortable sharing. And also please note on there, if you want me to just pray for that person or for you on my own, or if it's okay for me to share that on the show so we can get as many people as possible praying so please make sure you note that on there so there's two ways that you can contact me the first is through our website and that also has the prayer request form on there and you can find our website if you don't already know it at faith and more podcast that's all one word faith and more podcast dot wix site w-i-x-s-i-t dot com slash my dash site s-i-t-e again that's faith and more podcast dot wixsite dot com slash my dash site or you can email me directly at faith and more podcast again all one word faith and more podcast at gmail.com thank you all so much for listening i so hope you all return next week please If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you really enjoyed the show, please share it with as many people as you possibly can. Because right now, that's the only way our show gets out is by word of mouth and by sharing. So the more people you talk to about and share with, the more people we can have listening and the more people we can bless with these stories of these amazing beings. So again, thank you all so very much for listening. Please know that you all are in my heart and my prayers. I love each and every one of you so much. Always remember, love yourself and love others. And I will see you all again next week.